And we're in a series on the Holy Spirit, so we really want to continue that. And I want to be dealing today with part two, and I want to deal with being filled or baptized in the Spirit. We, we preach before on water baptism, and you'll know if you read uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 6, verse 2 says that there are baptisms that we ought to know about. It says we should be able to move on from baptisms, which is plural, which means there would be more than one baptism. And there are a lot of baptisms uh, in the Bible, at least four. But one of the baptisms that we deal with, other than baptism into the body of Christ, baptism in water, is baptism in the Holy Spirit. So I want to deal with that today. The other day, I was reading uh, Voice of the Martyrs. Did anyone, did anyone get that or you get that magazine? Yeah. So I'm reading Voice of the Martyrs, and the, the article in there was a guy who, who was being water baptized and the title, the caption was, Baptized Unto Death. Man, I'm going to tell y'all, I took a retake on my water baptism system in my mind. Because when most of us got baptized in water, we're just glad to be here. You know, thank you, Jesus, here we are. But I watched that guy's baptism, and I thought, this dude is making such a commitment that when he's water baptized... He's going to be rejected. He's going to be kicked out of his family. He would be tortured or killed. He he is getting a baptism unto death. And I'm thinking, God help us in America to quit being such Christian snowflakes that we quit every time there's a problem, we melt every time someone confronts us. Instead of saying, hey, there's a baptism unto death here. The old man's died. There's a new guy here. And I'm not going to preach on end times because I don't know enough about them. I know we're in them. But one of the things that that I I did for years, I said we're going to be pre-tribulation, raptured out, no big problems. And I get to looking at the world and what's going on around this world, y'all, and we are in such a place in America that we don't even understand the kingdom very well. We, we really don't. Because if it doesn't smack of more and money and better, then we're not sure it's the kingdom of God. And I look around the world, and I'm just going to say something to you. I believe America's in store for a whole lot more than we think we are uh, in the end times. And I'm not going to say that we're not going out at the pre-trib or mid-trib or post-trib, you've got enough scripture to, to believe any of those. I've always said I want to go out on the first load, but I've made up my mind here of late of what if, just what if I have to go through this? What's Mike going to look like during this? And I've just made up my mind I'm going to get a little bit tougher in what I'm doing for Christ. I'm just going to, I'm going to hang in a lot harder than I've been hanging in. Does that make sense to you? So I want to talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And boy, this subject is huge and, and, it, and it, it, it can be preached in so many ways depending on your uh, denomination. Uh, one of the guys, I don't know if y'all watch any kind of TV preachers. I do sometimes on Sunday morning when I can get Gardendale First Baptist. And I watch Kevin preach. And he's a, he's a Kevin Ham's a great preacher. And so Kevin, if you're watching, he's not. But I, I enjoy hearing him and, and, and studying about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm old school and old, older school today than I have been in a while. But being old school, I was brought up in a charismatic Pentecostal world that if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the reason that you are is because you spoke in tongues. And when you came to an altar to be prayed for, now y'all do know uh, altar calls are good, and I get that, but they didn't come into existence until 1888. I mean, uh, altar calls have, a, have their place, but they're not necessarily God. If you don't have an altar where you're sitting right now, you probably won't do any better up here. But in the process of this baptism in the Holy Spirit, we were taught when I was growing up, uh, about this event in our life that we ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking, I asked to be born again, I asked to be saved, and no one came and asked for proof. I mean, I didn't have to have a card or anything. I mean, I just, I asked the Lord to come into my heart for you ever since, and they just said, it's done, you're on your way to heaven. When it came to the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and I came forward and I said, Lord, fill me with your spirit. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's a part of the promise for my life, and I thank you for it. Then they said, you got to speak in tongues. 
And then they would not release me to be baptized in the Spirit until I spoke in tongues. It's kind of like the, the Holy Ghost Gestapo or something watching what you did. And I began to study and read more in the Word of God, and I found out the baptism in the Holy Spirit, when I pray in the Spirit and my prayer language are in tongues, if you would, it's not for you anyway. 1 Corinthians 14 says, when I pray in the Spirit, I pray to God. And He's the only one that understands it. And I've been in churches when people would stand up and speak out in tongues, and someone would interpret, and it would be some kind of, you're going to hell prophecy or a prophecy about correction to us. The more I read the Word of God, they're, 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 the tongues are always to God. They're never to us. Then what would the interpretation be? It would be what God's telling me and what my Spirit's telling Him. Okay. So if you've not been in that, you don't know. If you have been in that, I'm helping you right now more than you're amening me. Because we say when they gave that message in tongues, it was to us. No, it was a prayer to God. There's, only, there's no place in your Bible that says tongues is to people. It's always to God. Now, first of all, that ought to make you feel better that you don't have to prove anything to anybody. The other thing is, Paul said, when I go to church, 1 Corinthians 14, he said, when I go to church, I don't go in there speaking in tongues because people will think I'm nuts. A, B, they won't understand it. So when I go to church, I'm going to speak in my known language. I'm going to prophesy in my known language. I'll talk to people in my known language. But when I'm at home, when I'm in my truck, when I'm at wherever it is that I'm by myself, I can pray in the Spirit all I want to. So I want to just kind of set the stage for you today. When I was talking about Kevin Ham and Gardendale First Baptist, one of the issues that happened in the Baptist church in 2015, and that was that they have a lot of missionaries around the world, but their church was only about 59 million strong. In the world, the charismatic Pentecostal movement was like 600 million. The missionaries came home and they said, we've got a problem here. They said, what's the problem? We're filled with the Holy Spirit and we pray in the Spirit. We have a prayer language. We tongues to Pentecostal, so y'all get it. But to others, they had a prayer language. They were going to pray. And they said, we're in places. We've got to have the power of the Spirit. So we're praying in the Spirit. So they had a meeting in 2015 and said, we're, we're not going to take it out of our bylaws that we don't want you propagating tongues, but we're not going to dismiss you because you do. Because they understood that there was something about praying in the Spirit and being full of the power of the Holy Spirit that helped those missionaries do what they had to do. Doesn't that make sense when the Bible says when you're filled with the Spirit, you'll be a witness? Doesn't that make sense to you? And I think when they did that in 2015, I'm thinking, what about all these charismatics? You know, what, what about us that say we are? And we're not doing the witnessing they're doing, but yet they're the ones saying, we've got to be filled. We've got to be filled. And I'm impressed with that. It impressed, impressed me a lot. So in dealing with the Holy Spirit, I want to give you at least some, some ideas, give you a lot of scripture on this today, mainly scripture today. But one of the things about the, the infilling of the Spirit, and I know Bobby said, you know, his little how he can't run and whatever. I don't know what a, how jacked up he was in a race. Now, I've got people watching right now, i.e. Sophie. By the way, Sophie and Lee getting married in six days. What? Yeah. So one of the things, one of the things that Sophia does, she is, she is one of the greatest coaches that you could have. I mean, she is, she is just one of the best. And one of the things she does when we're lifting weights, and you've got to say, I'm an old man trying to lift weights. So, so the, when you, the older you get, the better technique you've got to have. And so if you're lifting weights, and all of you all that know how to lift weights, y'all can say something. You that don't, just, you know, kind of watch. But, but they have what they call this, this um, kettlebell hanging high lift. Now, I'm going to show a high lift and see what everybody thinks about it. Sophia. So if I've got this kettlebell and I pull it up, so what's wrong? What's wrong? My elbows. Now see, the rest of y'all thought, he's doing a great job. He got it up to his collarbone. Great. That sounds good. But to do it properly, you come up and those elbows have to be above your collarbone. 
Okay, okay. How about squatting? Can, any, can everybody squat in here? Right? No, no. Okay. <laughs> All but Sue. All right. So and here, here's another. Here's another. You're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna squat. We're going to squat down to pick something up, right? We, we've got this bottle. Now, I know some of y'all squats is about three feet long with a grip on the end and closures. And I get that. But to squat to pick something up, here, here's, here's a squat. This would be a squat right here. How about this for a squat? Okay, now what's wrong with... What? What's wrong with that? What was wrong? What's wrong with this squat? My butt's what? Above my knees. Where's it supposed to be? Below my knees. Where's my chest supposed to be? Up. Now, I'm just going to say this to you. These guys and gals that know how to do this won't let me do this in the gym. They won't let me do this in the gym. When I'm there, I have to do it the way that it's supposed to be done. I think when we get to the Spirit of God, we just kind of trash what goes on there. Well, just pick it up any way you can. Well, it's a Holy Spirit baptism. Who cares? Squat however you want to. I think what we might want to do when it comes to the Word of God is pay a little bit more attention to what's going on in the Word. Amen? And if there's some things I can correct or tweak, I'm going to do them. And I don't do everything right. And I get a lot of tweaking spoken to me. But one of the things, I try to at least do it right. Here's another thing that they say to me. There's another one. So if you're going to try to get, you're going to try to do a push press, a strict push press, is you've got to get the weight here. And when you push it up, you're supposed to not move. You're supposed to get it up and put it over your head and then let it back down. You're not supposed to force it up. It's just a strict press if you're doing that. Now, if I'm doing a strict press and I'm doing all this jerking and pushing, they'll come up to me and say, the weight's too heavy. Take some of the weight off so you can do it correctly. So I can, now I'm saying all that to say this. When we preach the word of God, it's the same thing. You can live a Christian life. You can make it to heaven. But I'm just going to tell you right now, it may not be getting to heaven in the best fashion you could. It may not be having a great place here. And you're just happy to get to heaven. I want this life here to be full of the presence and the power of God in my life. I, I want that to be full. I want to find out if there's something in here that I can have, that I can tweak what I have, then I want to do that so I can walk in a way that God's pleased with me. So let's look at our Bibles. We're going to run right now. Y'all ready? Okay, so like here we go. Acts 1, 2 through 8. And this is going to be, I think this is probably going to be the Amplified Bible. Let's go. Until the, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just, I want you to hear things that are, that are said that we just read past. He was going to give them further instructions through what? Through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem. Let's just stop. Don't pick the weight up with your elbows down. Right? Get them up. Once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he promised. And I know you don't have any Bible to mark in, but you just mark it somewhere, take a note on it, so you'll have this. There was a promise from the Father. There was a promise from the Father. So let me just ask a question. If I were to pick anybody, let me pick anybody. Okay. So, Doug. So you get, you get someone to tell you and Shannon that they're going to send you on a vacation. Where would, be, where would y'all want to go? If you could have a week somewhere. And, and don't say Birmingham. Right. <laughs> Rim lap or something like that. Banff National Park. Huh? Banff National Park. Up in, in Canada, Alberta, Canada. Banff. How many ever been to Banff? What a great place. If you're there in the spring... Mosquitoes will carry you off. But it is a great place, good place to fish. So you're going to go to Banff. So here's the deal. Y'all listen to this. 
So someone, someone gets the money together, buys the air tickets for Doug, Shannon, and the girls, buys the air tickets for them, pays for their, their, their stay in the resort for one week, uh, rents them a car while they're there, and then gives them $1,500 just to spend. Now let me ask you a question. What would you say to that promise? If someone said they'd do that, what would you say? Let's go. I don't have to think about those things. I mean, it's not a hard process for me. It's strange to me we get a promise from the Father. We get in church and we say, well, I don't know if I want that or not. Excuse me just a minute. He promises you the power of the Holy Spirit. And we get in here and say, well, I don't know if I I want that. I'm just trying to help you out here. Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. And we'll read that in just a moment. John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's your water water baptism that John did. And he said there's going to be another baptism, and it's a spirit baptism. And then he said this. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, uh, has the time for your... uh, for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom. When is that time? And he replied, the Father alone has authority to set these dates and times, and they're not for you to know. But you, here he goes, don't worry about that. We're still talking about this promise of the Father. And here's what he says. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And I want you to just remember some of these things. Baptism and Spirit coming on. Not spirit already in, but spirit coming on. And this is Jesus' words. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses. And I'll just stop and say this. The word witness in the Greek is the word uh, matarum, which means to martyr. So I'm just going to help you right here. To be a witness is to be a martyr, but to be a witness means I'm going to tell somebody about Christ. I'm going to be out there doing it. And that's one of the reasons that we have the power of the Holy Spirit. I get just a little bit, I just get a little bit sideways with people that are charismatic and they pray in the Spirit and they have, you know, all the gifts operating in their life, but they can't tell anybody about Jesus. I'm just wondering which Holy Spirit they got. Excuse me just a minute. I'm just thinking. They may have something that wasn't biblical. Because this one says, if I get the Spirit of God, then I'm going to be a witness. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is chapter 2, verse 4. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. Let me just stop and say this. If someone is baptized in the Holy Spirit or they're filled with the Holy Spirit, that prayer language is something God gives them, not man. I can't get up in front of them and say, just say this. It's up to them, that person, to speak the words that the Spirit gives them. Well, how will I know it's the Spirit? I don't know. That's a faith thing with you. This is what we've tried to do to people is make them get something that they didn't know they were getting, but if they mimicked us, then that must be God. The problem I have with some people in the area of prophecies and hearing from God is... When people hear from God and they give a word or tell you they've got a word, first of all, first of all, if someone comes and tells me they've got a word for me, they've, you've got a word for me, my first reaction on that is, am I that hard of hearing? <laughs> that I need God to speak to you to come tell me. So that I'm just letting you know that's going to be my first question. The next one is, once you tell me that, to make sure something that that I believe would be from God. But here's the problem I have. There are a lot of people when they hear from God and they say something and it was God, then the next thought that comes to their mind, they think it's God. Now every thought they have is God and that ain't so. Y'all tracking me now? Okay, so verses 38 and 39, this is um, uh, after they were filled with the Spirit and Peter's up preaching. He said, each of you must, they ask, what do we do to be saved? Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you. That was after repentance and after baptism then you would receive this gift and the promises to you and your children and those far away and all those that have been called by the lord our god let me ask you a question how many of y'all been called by the lord god 
you're born again. Okay, if you're one, you're born again, then you're here. That fits you. You, you would be one of those that is going to be the potential to be filled with the Spirit. So here's the thing that I want to tell you. We don't need a new day of Pentecost. We don't need a Pentecostal upgrade. And we don't need a, we don't need a Holy Spirit 2.0. We, we just need what the Word of God says is for us. Just, just what did He say is for me? So I'm not looking for an upgrade. People say, well, I'm looking for a, a fresh move of God. I'm not looking for a fresh move of God. Just any move of God is good. I just want God to touch my life. Amen? We keep reaching out for something that might happen, and I'm thinking, dude, it's right here in your lap. Just get your elbows up. So Pastor Gabriel mentioned Jesus' words in John concerning the paraclete or the comforter, this advocate, this lawyer, this, this paraclete that comes alongside. Let me read those scriptures to you, if you don't mind, in John 14. I told you you'd have a lot of word today, and if you don't remember what I say, remember what he says. John 14, 16 through 17 says this. This is Jesus speaking. I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper, comforter. This is going to be uh, amplified. A helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby. Does that kind of explain who the Holy Spirit is for you? He's all of these things. He will give you another helper. The word another there, another helper, another comforter, another paraclete, that word means, it's alos, A-L-L-O-S, and it means one of the same. In other words, here's what Jesus is saying. The Holy Spirit that's coming to be with you and in you is just like me. Okay, so Gabriel talked about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and the Trinity, right? That we have a Father, we have a Son, and we all see all of these right here. The Son speaking about the Father and the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. So when people say, I'm afraid of the Holy Spirit, well, you're probably afraid of Jesus. Because they're like the same in the sense of being God. But listen to what it says. This is your strengthener, your standby. Let me just give you one more word. The word paraclete means to come alongside or stand by. One of the illustrations that I read about the paraclete was if I'm down in a ditch, if I fall in, in a ditch, if, I, if I'm down in a ditch, a paraclete doesn't come along the side of the road and say, hey, you need to get out of there. Dude, I know that. I'm down in the ditch. But a paraclete gets down in the ditch with you. So I'm telling you right now, if you're having a bad day, the Holy Spirit is with you. He'll get down in the ditch with you. If you've got issues with your family that you don't know how to deal with, He'll get down in that with you. That's why we need the Holy Spirit in our life. So listen to what it says. He'll be with you forever. Verse 17, the Spirit of truth, who the world could not receive. So the world can't get this and take it to its heart. Because it doesn't see Him or know Him, but you know Him because He, the Holy Spirit, remains with you and will be in you. There are two places the Holy Spirit is. He's in you right now. If you're born again, baby, the Holy Spirit's in you. But Jesus says He will come on you. That is where the water baptism thought comes in, that not only is He in me, but He's with me and on me. Let's track it a little bit further. Verse 26, But the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name and my place to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things. He will help you remember everything I've told you. And I'm going to stop and say this. Jesus said, I'm talking to y'all, but I can only say so much to you because you have a limit. But I'm leaving. And the Holy Spirit's coming back. He will teach you the things I couldn't and will make you remember the things that I did say. Amen? I don't know about y'all, but I would like to have that. I, I would like to have the Holy Spirit with me when I'm reading the Word of God to illuminate that for me. I would love to have the Holy Spirit with me when I'm in a tough jam just to remember what Jesus said about it. So this is one of the reasons we need this power of the Spirit with us. Chapter 15, verses 26 and 27 say this, but the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, this verse may be a little off from what's on the screen, but we'll read it anyway. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He'll teach you all things. And then I'll just read that, and he will help you remember everything that I've told you. 
but you will testify also and be my witnesses because you have been with me from the beginning. So he's telling them, he's coming and you're going to be a witness. So we have Jesus teaching on our behalf that we have access to the Holy Spirit. He's saying, I'm leaving, but the Holy Spirit's coming and you have access to him. So is the Holy Spirit in me now? Yes, he is. Romans 8, 11, the Spirit of God, the Bible says the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. So the book of Romans makes it very clear. The Spirit's in me. And this is where people have questions. If the Spirit's in me, why does he need to be on me? Jesus said, because we need his presence on us. That's the power source we have from him. That's that teaching source we have. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. It is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment, the first installment that guarantees everything else he's promised. So when you were born again, the Holy Spirit came into your heart. That's the first installment of the promises of God. Say, I'm born again. Say, the Spirit of God indwells me. First installment on all the promises. Okay, that's five of y'all that get that. Let's try again. Say, I'm born again. Spirit of God dwells in me. And it's the first installment on all the promises that God has for me. So you're born again, you have the Spirit of God. We've had people tell people born again, yeah, but now you need the Spirit of God. No, they have the Spirit of God. But they need to be baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a different function that Jesus declared to us. Now, the disciples were given the Spirit by Jesus. Before they were baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts 2-4, you go all the way back over to John 20, 22. Jesus has already died, been buried, resurrected. He's ascended to the Father, been glorified, and he comes back to earth. And now he's in this 40-day stretch that he's dealing with the disciples. Listen to this in John 20, 22. Here's another good verse. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. So Jesus is hanging with the disciples. They're with him, and he breathes on them. Received the Holy Spirit. Just breathed on them. Now, that receiving of the Holy Spirit was their born-again condition. They didn't get born again in Acts 2. They got born again when Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. He breathed on Well, how would you know that? Because the same word for breath on breathe there is the same one that God uses in Genesis when God breathed the breath of life into Adam. It's the same word used in Ezekiel whenever God had these dry bones and he said, can these dry bones live? Ezekiel said, I do not know. And he said, prophesy to the wind. And it said, and God breathed on the dry bones and, and or on the bodies that were laying there and life came into them. So it's a life-giving anointing. Say life-giving. When Jesus breathed on them, they received new life. So now they're born again. They have new life. The Spirit is in them. Now, somebody said to me, well, you know, Pastor Mike, what if they didn't receive the Holy Spirit? They did. The Bible said they did. It didn't say they balked. It said he breathed and said receive. It never said they didn't do anything. And I'm just going to, I'll go back to Doug. If I've got this promise, I've got Jesus, and he breathes on me and says receive the Holy Spirit, I don't know how you live, but I don't think I'd be able to say, no, nope, I don't want that. I'm just saying. If he breathed on me and said receive, I'd be, I'd be sucking in. I'd be wanting to get whatever it was that he was saying I could have. And he did that. This is before Pentecost. I'm just kind of helping you right now. Before the Holy Spirit was poured out, they had already received in the same way Adam received life and Ezekiel's dead bones and bodies received life. Now, I want you to listen to John 7, 37 through 39. It's a great day of the feast. Jesus is at the temple. The priest has taken water and he's gone up the steps to the, tab to the temple and he gets up there and a part, of the, a part of what they do is they pour the water out. 
the last thing they do in the ceremony is they pour the water out. And as they're pouring it out, Jesus has something to say about that. Listen to this, what he says. This is John 7, 37 through 39. Now on the last day, the most important day of the feast, Jesus stood and called out in a loud voice, If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, who adheres to Trust in and relies on me as the scripture has said from his innermost being will flow continually rivers of living water. Now, listen to what he says about this. But he was speaking of the Holy Spirit whom those who believed in him as Savior were to receive afterward. The Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So he had to be glorified, go to the cross, come back, from heaven, and then the Holy Spirit could be released. But even Jesus said, go stay in Jerusalem. After he had already breathed on them, after they had already received, he said, y'all stay in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. And that is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That is the infilling of the Spirit. So Jesus says... There's more than just one anointing going on here. One is that salvation. That's the, that's the initial gift of all the promises coming. And then this next one was this anointing of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. This is Acts 1, 4, and 5. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded. I don't know if y'all like that or not. He didn't suggest. He didn't say if you want to. He didn't say I'm just thinking out loud. He said he commanded them. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he promised. He didn't say go stay in Jerusalem till you can't eat anymore. Don't, get, don't stay in Jerusalem till you run out of money. He said you stay in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father has been sent. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm just going to say this about that. Some people say, yeah, but you know, that was just for those guys on the day of Pentecost. And let, let, me, let me back up and say one more thing about this. How many of y'all know when they prayed in the Spirit and worshiped in the Spirit, the people around them that were in from all nations, what did they hear? You remember what they heard? No. Close, but no. They, they, what, what they heard was they heard those people, Jews, worshiping and praising God in their languages. Now, I'm going to just stop and say this. They weren't getting a message from God. Why? Because tongues are where? To God. They're not to them. They're to Him. This is about me and God, not about me and you. So they were praising these people heard them praising, and the Bible clearly says we heard them glorifying and praising God. They weren't giving them messages. They weren't telling them to get saved. They were simply glorifying God. So you need to keep that in mind. And that was one of the things that became a norm for the church. We find it again about, about four years later in the 8th chapter of Acts. If you read through there, in the 8th chapter of Acts, it says that Philip is in Samaria and he's preaching. When he's preaching to these guys, your Bible says they believed, they were baptized in water, so they're born again, they're born again. And then Peter comes with some of the guys from Jerusalem. They come over, they said, what's going on? We've heard a good report. Philip says, you bet. These people all got born again. They're all baptized. And the Bible said Peter and the apostles laid hands on them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now here's the point. Why would they care if it weren't necessary? Who cares? They're born again. They're going to heaven for Pete's sake. Let's all shout. I get that. But they prayed for them to be filled. Another chapter, go over to the ninth chapter. Now you're about five years after, five years after the Pentecostal experience. Y'all remember Saul of Tarsus on the road. He's out putting Christians in jail. God shows up, Jesus does, in a bright light, knocks him down on the road. He falls down. He's on the ground. He says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And, and the Lord Jesus spoke to him and said, Saul, I've got work for you to do. You're going to be my chosen vessel. You're going to go into all the world. I'm going to use you in a mighty way. Now, the Bible says that he leave, the boys with him didn't get knocked down. They didn't fall down. They saw the light, and they heard the voice of the Lord speaking, but they didn't see anybody. And they get Paul up. They take him into Damascus. He stays there three days. Now, stop here and listen to me. They stay, he stays three days praying. Three days praying. Ananias 
is one of the Jews there, and he's told by the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, you go over to Straight Street to where this guy Saul is, and you lay hands on him and pray for him. Ananias said, ain't no way. I mean, he picked up the kettlebell and kept his elbows down. I, I am not, <laughs> I'm not doing that because you may not know who Saul is, but he's killing all of us. And God said, I know who he is, and I've called him, and I'm going to use him, but you're going to go lay hands on him so he can receive his sight. If you read that in the ninth chapter, it says that Ananias lays his, goes over, and the first thing he says, he doesn't call him, hey, Saul. He says, brother Saul. He recognizes that this guy is, is a believer. He lays hands on him. The Bible says his eyes open, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he gets baptized. Now, let me just pitch you a thought right here. It doesn't say he spoke in tongues when he got filled. It didn't say they did in Acts chapter 8. We like to try to say they did and try to make that work. But the truth is we don't know that. But we know they were filled. We know about Paul because in 1 Corinthians 14, he later says, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than all y'all. He was southern. He said, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than all of y'all. So evidently, at some point, probably when Ananias laid his hands on him, he received the Holy Spirit. At some point, he began praying in a prayer language. And you'll read, and I'll just tell you, I won't do this for you. You can do it on your own. But you need to read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Because I'm going to help some of us that are charismatic. If you're charismatic and your whole goal is to be on, on show and to be loud and to be in front of people and try to uh, get some pats on your back because you prophesy, I'll, I'll help you right here that the Bible says if you don't have love, if the attitude in the, of your heart isn't loving people and why you're doing what you're doing isn't out of love, the Bible says your tongues and your, your prophecies are sounding brass and a tingling, tinkling cymbal. They mean nothing. So I'm just helping you right now because I've heard a lot of people that did things out of pride or did things out of anger. And I'm just thinking, dude, that didn't score anything. I mean, it's like Alabama. Oh, I, I didn't. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. I know. I know. The song today was not really appropriate. About tide roll. I just, John, you missed that one, baby. I mean, you tried, but you missed. Are we okay? You're, you're done? Time for amen now? Okay, quickly, quickly. I'll get done right here. Listen, here, here what, really? So, so in, in chapter 9, Paul receives the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to say this to you. If the dude that writes the majority of the New Testament was a tongue talker, praying in the spirit guy, what kind of writing do you think he did? I'm, not, I'm trying to help you. If these guys in the Bible are writing in this, with this complexity of the spirit, it might help us to have this same spirit with us helping us get this. I'm, I'm just pitching to you. Okay, so in Acts chapter 10, now we're about 12 years after the Pentecostal experience in Acts 2. Now we're in 10, you remember that, that in Acts chapter 10 it was Cornelius, and Peter was told to go to Cornelius' house. He said, ain't no way. God said, there is a way. You're going. He said, I'm not going. You remember the story better than I do. The sheet came down with all of the, the you know, the pork in it, I guess. I don't know, unclean animals in it. And God kept telling him to eat it. And he kept saying, I'm not going to do it. I've never done it. Do you know when Peter, listen to this, Peter has never been in a Gentile's house. He's never put his foot in the house of a Gentile. I won't talk about racism. He's never been in a Gentile's house because he didn't like them. And God said, you are going and you're going to, you're going to Cornelius' house. You're going to go ahead and step in. And Peter said he did. The people in Jerusalem got a little bit upset with him. He said, boys, I'm going to tell you right now, I'd rather have you mad at me than God. So I'm going. So he goes in and he preaches. And as he's preaching, I, I, don't, uh, I, I do have that for, for, for us. I want us to look in this. It's in Acts 10, and here's what it says. 
Even as Peter was saying these things, he just talked about Jesus and Jesus dying and being resurrected and Jesus having the power of God in his life. And he said, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit, now watch what happens. The Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the what? Now watch this. The gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. This gift of the Father has now been poured out on them. They're shocked that it's happened. Verse 46, For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And Peter said, look at this, Can anyone object to their being baptized now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? Here's what he said. If, if they receive the Holy Spirit, that means they're a believer because only believers can receive. It's a believer's anointing. So they're believers because they're filled with the Holy Spirit. So, hey, we're going to water baptize them. So I'm just going to pitch this to you as well. Here's some guys. They've never heard the message. They're sitting up in there just like you are. And the power of God begins to move on them. Here's chapter 11. He's defending himself. Peter's defending himself on this issue. Listen to this. As I began to speak, Peter continued, he's talking to the guys in Jerusalem. As I, as I began to speak, Peter continued, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he fell on us in the beginning. Two things. Jesus breathed on them, the Holy Spirit fell on them. And he said he fell on them just like he did on us. Just like us. This is almost 12 years later. Listen to what he says. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water. You remember that, right? John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift, it's the gift issue, he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? And I think that's one of the issues we've got to deal with. I believe God wants to feel baptized every believer in the Holy Spirit. I believe that. If I don't tell you about that, I mean, you may not ever be filled with the Spirit. That's you. But if I don't tell you about that, I'm letting you do this. And I just made up my mind. If there's something else we can do to make this lift better, then let's do that. My responsibility as a pastor is not just to say, okay, you just go along to get along. It is if there's a promise, then why wouldn't I offer that to you? If there's someone who would send me to Banff, why wouldn't I say that to you? Does that make sense to anybody in here besides me? Okay. I'm going to close now, so I'm going to let these guys come back up to the platform. I want to read the promise of the Father, and I'm going to close on this right now. We're, we're getting done. Those kids are having a time. That's probably Jill up there with them. Listen to this. This is Luke 11, 9 through 13. And this is the promise of the Father. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Your fathers, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give him a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. This is The reason this is in here because the people that will say, I'm not going to ask for that Holy Spirit because I may get a devil. No, that's not, that's not how this thing works. You're praying to the Father and you're asking. And if you ask for a fish, you're not getting a snake. Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give the what? Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. What difference will it make in my life if I'm filled with the Spirit or not filled with the Spirit? Well, I know that according to John 14, the Comforter wants to come alongside. You've got the Spirit in you. 
but the alongside, the baptism, is where you're clothed in him. He's, he is around you, according to Scripture. He's the one that is going to be guiding and giving us the ideas and enlightening us to Scripture. That's a part of the responsibility. Even Jesus, if you read your Bible, the Bible says in Acts 10, 38, that how Jesus Christ of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Spirit and went about... Went about doing good, healing all of those oppressed of the devil. His abilities weren't because he was a magician. They were because the Spirit of God was on him. That's the same anointing that God wants on our lives. One last scripture verse, and you can stand. We don't have it, but I will just give it to you. I don't think we do. It's Jude 20. Do we have that? Yeah. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, here's the conclusion. 1 Corinthians 14, I think it's verse 12, or 11 and 12. He says, here's the conclusion. I will pray in the Spirit, and I will pray in the understanding. I will pray in the language I know, my understanding. I'll pray in the Spirit, and I'll pray in the understanding. He says, I'll sing in the spirit and I'll sing in the understanding. There are times in the services that my wife will, she doesn't do it loudly so people aren't hearing it all around. She's not drawing attention, but I'm right there by her. And she'll be singing and praising with John and the praise team. And she'll start praying and praising in the spirit. So she'll be praising God in tongues. And I listen to her. Now, here's the deal. The Bible says my mind is not fruitful. I don't know what I'm saying. So why would I do it? Because this, my spirit prays by the Holy Spirit. That's what I need built up. I can get my brain to get built up by reading the Word of God. I can read the Word of God. But my spirit man is going to be built up according to Jude by praying in the Spirit. And Paul said, that's my conclusion. He said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. And I'm going to pray in the Spirit and the understanding. I'm going to sing in the Spirit and in the understanding. I'm going to do both. So the church house is not where we're trying to make you do something. you got to speak in tongues. I'm not doing that. Here's what I'm doing. I'm saying, I got your tickets to Banff. Got your airline tickets. Got your resort paid for. Got your $1,500 got you a rented car. My responsibility isn't to make you do something. It is the gift of the Father that should be presented by us in the ministry for all of us to enjoy. Does that make sense to you? I don't know about y'all, but I've prayed for situations and people, and I just didn't know what to say. I mean, when I heard about Jay Clark having a bike wreck and Busted his knee. Y'all heard about that? Busted his knee open and split his uh, kneecap and had a terrible wreck. Well, I can pray God heal him, bring healing to his body. Lord, help him. Lord, help him with a swelling. I can do that. And I, I limit myself. Mike Wright's got a small uh, uh, vocabulary up here to describe. I, I've got it twice as much as some people because I can say it in Spanish. But still, it's limited. But in the Spirit, but in the Spirit, there's an unlimited anointing that you can pray. So I pray for Jay and all that Mike knows how to pray. And then I just pray in the Spirit and let my Spirit by the Holy Spirit pray. How many of y'all have ever tried to praise God and just run out of words to say? Right? I mean, after I love you, you're about, about limited, right? You're great, you're wonderful, I love you, Lord. I, you know, well, I, I, can just, I can get limited quick. But when I can't get it in my brain, I don't have any more to offer, I've offered all I've got, then I can begin to pray in the Spirit with my prayer language. And there's a vocabulary there that I don't even understand yet. And my mind is not fruitful, but it's not about my mind, it's about my spirit. So I've just made up my mind, I'm going to pray in the understanding, all that Mike knows how to pray, and I'll pray in the Spirit. All the Spirit of God can help pray through me. And it's not about a show in this building, because listen to me, 
If you don't function in the power of the Spirit at home, at the gym, in your car, at your work, if you can't do that, then coming up in here and doing something does not impress God at all. Does that make sense to you? Okay, let's bow our heads. You may be here this morning and you're not serving God at all. You're just not serving Him at all. And we haven't been preaching about salvation. But the Holy Spirit has such a a grace about Him. And His responsibility, according to Scripture, is to baptize you or place you in the body of Christ. And I will tell you right now, if you're not born again, Holy Spirit is with you right now. He's with you right now. Saying, come on. Come on. You can have the promises of God. You can be a child of God. And He's saying, I'm the one that's going to take you there. This is how we accept Christ through the power of the Spirit. He's speaking to us. That's how you hear God is by the Spirit. Jesus speaks to us by the Spirit. That's why He said, I'm leaving, sending back the Spirit. And this morning, if you're not born again, this is a great opportunity for you to do so. So I'm going to ask everybody just to pray a prayer with me. Would you all do that? Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you right now that you love me enough to send your spirit into my life, into my family, into this room. And I receive everything you have for me. I receive salvation. I receive healing in my body. I receive peace in my mind. And I receive the infilling of your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now here's what I believe. I will, I, will be, I will be asking the Lord, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. When I ask that, I'm going to believe that I'm filled just like I believe that I'm saved when I say, save me. And I'm going to be allowing myself to be given to the gifts of the Spirit. There are a lot of them. One of them is that prayer language, and Jude said, if you ever get the prayer language, if you ever lock in there, then it's going to build your faith. It's a place where you can get with God and build your faith. So I'm encouraging you today in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm encouraging you because Jesus sent the Holy Spirit back to you. Amen? So I bless you today before you leave this building. I bless you that your home will be a home of peace, that the walls will hear the sounds of joy, and that the anointing of God will be on your life. I pray for you and bless you this morning that there will be healing in your home, that your children will be at peace. That your finances, God will help you to find a way for the balance that he needs for you, for your finances to flourish. I bless you right now with the presence of God and the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And you can be dismissed if you hug one person and tell them you love them. You start with your husband and wife.